We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 4 if you'd like to go ahead and turn there. We've set aside this month of February as a relationship month and just talking about relationships. So here a couple weeks ago we talked about growing godly relationships and how that initially had to start with grace. Right? Our default has to be grace. And so when I offend you or you offend me, uh, sometimes we want to claim our rights or we want to just uh, hold a grudge. But what we've definitely got to be about is, is grace. And so we talked about Philemon and we saw how Paul instructed him to be gracious to his former slave Onesimus. Because he was once useless, but now he's useful to you. Like there was benefit from that. Do you remember who the book of Philemon was written to? Was it just to Philemon? No. The title says Philemon, but Paul wrote it to multiple people there. All right, so there's possibly Philemon's wife is who some believe. There's four or five names listed there. Uh, there's an elder there, and some say that was probably the pastor of the church uh, in, the, in the region. And then it was written to the church in their home. So lots of opportunity there to show grace, knowing that when you and I show grace, man, that speaks to people, right? Holding grudges is natural. Being unforgiving is natural. Cutting you off is natural. That's what normal people do. But those with the Spirit of God who've experienced grace are to work to grow godly relationships. And we do that as we're gracious to one another. All right, today we're going to head into a theme we're calling building biblical families. All right, building biblical families. And so as we get into this, just help me out a little bit. When you think about a family, what comes to mind? What's a family? Yes. People that love you or, what would you say, take care of you? People that take care of you, that's your family, okay? What does a family typically consist of? What do we think of when we think of family? Okay, I heard dysfunction. Okay. <laughs> I heard mother and father and children. Okay, that's kind of the traditional way we think of family, isn't it? We live in kind of a distorted culture currently that's, set aside the Word of God to kind of recreate family to fit their own agenda. Um, but typically or traditionally we think of a mom or a dad and maybe some children there together. Um, but today what we're looking at is the family goes a lot broader than that. Right? A lot broader than that. And you know this as well. So we call ourselves a Peace Church family. All right? So when we send an email out, I'm not real sure how you see it on your end. But on my end, when I start to type to you, all I type in is Peace Church, and it comes up Peace Church Family. And it has all your email addresses in that, right? So I'm not sure how you see it. But on my end, that's just how it's sent anyway. So when I think of, uh, of my church, when I talk to people about our church, I talk about my family. Now, these are the people that God's connected us with and that we love and we're a part of and they're a part of us. So you might think of your church family. Um, what about your Employment. You ever think of the people you work with as your family? No. All right. So it probably depends on your environment, right? Some work situations, it may just be a clock in, clock out, see you later kind of thing. For other people where you may have opportunity to connect with those you work with a little bit more, you get to know their life, and maybe you can hear their struggles, celebrate their highs with them. That starts to feel like family, right? So there's some connection there. If you've ever been on a team before, you know, coaches usually talk to their teams about this is a unit or it's a family or it's, or it's a team, all right? So it's something that is, is built together. We could also talk about family as going extended. 
So we've got nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and cousins and brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and all the in-laws, right? When we think of family, sometimes we're, it's kind of narrow, and it should be narrow, but it can also be really broad. And that's what we're trying to focus on today is the people that God has connected you with right now, all right? If you pull out your phone and went through your contacts, these are the people that God has put in your life. Or you pull out your phone list at home and you go through your contacts, these are the people that God has connected you with. And I bet there are a lot of people on your list that aren't on my list. What's that mean? Bless you. It means that we're different, right? And, and those are people in your world for you to love and minister and serve to. My job is to pray for you and to partner with you and try to help equip you in any way I possibly can to do that task. And yours is the same for me, right? There are people on my phone list and you go, I don't have a clue who that person is. That's okay. You don't have to know them. I don't have to know the people on your list either. The thing is we're working together to help build families and we want to do this uh, certainly from a biblical perspective. So in a day and time when the Bible has been set aside and you've got families that are extremely dysfunctional, including our own, struggling, we've got to live out the solution. Right? We've got to live out the, the plan of God because he's laid it out clearly in his word. And so it's not go figure it out and try to make the best of it. There's some really clear teaching here that can help us uh, as we try to track through here. So Deuteronomy chapter 4 we're just going to read the first nine verses together here. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find Moses writing to the nation of Israel. And he's going to tell them over and over and over again to obey the commands of the Lord. And if you do, these are things that will happen. And if you walk away from the Lord or if you give up on this covenant that I've made with your forefathers, then these are things that are going to happen. Right? It's, it's not, it's not uh, rocket science. It's like getting a bill in the mail that says, hey, if you don't pay your bill by such and such date, we're going to cut off your power. Does that sound negotiable? I mean, maybe you can call and get a little bit of an extension or whatever, but what that means is you don't pay the bill, you can expect to be cut off, okay? What God says is, I love you, and I've created life in part for you, and I know what's best and how to build these families. So follow my ways because they're for your good. But if you neglect my ways, then here's all the suffering and struggle you're going to experience. And so we really want to continue working and learning and trying to understand what it means to be part of biblical families. All right, so Deuteronomy 4. This is the Israelites are about to enter the promised land. So Moses doesn't get to go in. He'll get to view it from a distance. Joshua will be the next one who will be the leader to bring them into the land. And so Moses is trying to get some words into them. Make sure you hang on to this stuff before God's going to, uh, to take him from this planet. So Deuteronomy 4, and let's read these first nine verses, and you can follow along on the wall, uh, or you can follow along in, in your own Bible there today. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, again, let us know. We'd love to get one for you uh, to make sure you're eating regularly. Um, so here we go. Deuteronomy 4, verse 1. Now Israel... Hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor, 
The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God, you are still alive today. See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. And these nations, they'll hear about all these decrees and listen to what they say. Surely this is a great nation. It's a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? And what he's saying, there's no other nation like the nation of God. There's no other laws that are good for you like the laws of God. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to, them, to their children after them. And so here we want to work through these first nine verses as it relates to building biblical families and a few things you can highlight or write down if you'd like to. Feel free to use your bulletin and the pen there in front of you. As always, that is, uh, if you need a pen, you can take one home with you, all right? Uh, you don't have to stick it back in the pew. Uh, but building biblical families, we're going to talk about how we build. And so let's go number one. We're going to build initially by making the Word of God a priority in our life. Making this the, the standard, it's the authority under which I live. So I don't know how it works in your home. I have a pretty good assumption, but if you're the leader of that home, uh, when you tell your children or grandchildren to do something, what do you expect? You expect them to do it. Why do you expect that? Because, ma'am, that's how you teach them. That's right. Because I said so and this is what you're supposed to do. So if your children came up to you and woke you up in the morning and said, go cook my breakfast. Would you just hop out of bed and start cooking in a frantic frenzy? Oh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I bet you would, right? You'd probably send them back to bed, right? Or you'd get up and go grab some stuff that you typically cook breakfast with, and you'd teach a lesson. Let me introduce you to a frying pan, right? So under authority. Under authority means we submit to that. And what we're saying here, God's Word is the authority that biblical families live under. So whatever the Word of God says, we what? We do. And we should do without reservation. We should do without hesitation. We should do intentionally with everything that we have. This is how we build biblical families. And this honestly is where it all begins. And if we are ever going to build, right? Build means I'm doing it somewhere maybe myself initially, then somewhere else. It has to start here. My foundation has to be clear. It has to be solid. It has to be firm. It has to be right. right? How can I ever build something into my children, foundationally speaking, if my foundation is shady? What are they going to grow up with? It's going to be that sandy foundation, right, that Jesus talked about. When the storms come, it's going to rock their world because they're not built on a solid foundation. So if I'm not built, I'm not prepared to build anybody else. So think about it this way for a minute. Let's say that we had a neighbor who was going to build a house. 
And we watched this guy build this house. And for months, he just pours money and blood and sweat and tears into this home. Foundation puts everything up, roof on it, everything's finished, and they move in. Beautiful home, right? Lives right beside you. A few months down the road, the foundation cracks, right? Some of the walls begin to sag. The roof falls through. Uh, and the city comes out and says, this house is condemned. Okay, that's a pretty rough situation, right? Now... Let's say that you and I were looking to build a home, okay? We've got a guy right beside us who's a home builder. Would we ask him to build a home for us? Home Advisor says the average expense of building a home in this country is $285,000, right? That's what you guys paid for your home to be built. I think it was somewhere between 400 was the high average and 100 and maybe 20 was the low. So in that middle, it was $285,000. How many of us would go to the bank and get a loan and give it to that neighbor to build us a house? None of us. What if I told you that that's what I was going to do? All right. You would say I'm nuts. You would say that I'm foolish. Would you offer me any kind of counsel? Or would you just say, ah, go ahead and waste your money? If you cared about me, you wouldn't say, go waste your money. You would say, son, Corey, what are you thinking? No. Talk to some other people. Go look at other homes that have been built for years that are solid. Their foundation is still steady. It's, their house is perfect. That's somebody you want to hire, right? So if we're going to be about building biblical families... We've got to have a rock-solid foundation, right? Not perfect, but if our foundation is shady, no one's going to look at us and say, I want that life. I want a family that's falling apart. I want a family that lacks conviction, that has no real purpose in their life. I want a family that just struggles with morality or values. If we're going to be light, if this is our time to live, and it is, then we've got to live in such a way that displays that our foundation is rock solid. Which means the word of God has got to be a priority in my life. It's what I've got to live under. It's what I submit to. And so Moses knew this. So this was Moses writing. We just read it here a minute ago. Moses lived under the authority of the word of God. Whatever God said Moses was going to do. For the most part. Other than striking the rock. Right? Here's what he says. Now Israel here. Hear the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord their God of your ancestors has given you. Do not add to, or to what I command you. Do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Now, let's just make sure we've got this, all right? In my mind when I was thinking this through, I was thinking of the word of God's kind of like, it's not like a milkshake. Anybody like a milkshake? No? You like ice cream? Yeah, me too. Sometimes we make milkshakes at home. And so what do you need to make a milkshake? You need some ice cream, a little bit of milk, right? Maybe if you add some different flavors to it, you're going to mix all that in, and it's going to be mm, good, right? Now, for me, that's about as far as I go. So it's nothing fancy. It doesn't look like you've been to Steak and Shake or somewhere like that. So you could add to my milkshake, couldn't you? So I usually make a strawberry milkshake. A little bit of vanilla ice cream, mix in some fresh strawberries, add a little milk, and voila, 
right? Good. You guys hungry? Anybody bring ice cream for lunch today? What could you add to my milkshake to make it better? What's that? So you could put some more fresh strawberries maybe on top of it or something like that? Okay. What else could you add to it? Yeah. Oh, whipped cream. Put a little whipped cream on top. Did you say a cherry also? Okay, you might can put a cherry on top. What else could you add to it? Chocolate, yeah. Add a lot more chocolate to that strawberry milkshake, right? All right, some people like bananas. I like strawberry banana milkshake, so you might add that. Maybe you add a little chocolate drizzle on top. Maybe some sprinkles. Like there's a lot of stuff you could add to my milkshake, and you'd say, oh, Corey, this makes it a lot better, right? Now, from that position, there are some things we could take away from it. Right, that might make it a little bit less attractive or less appealing. So what does Moses tell us to do with the Word of God? He says, don't add to it. As we talked here a few weeks ago, we add nothing. We add zero value to God's Word. He doesn't need us to validate it or to make it better. He doesn't need us to introduce it in a way that is uh, palatable so people are like, oh, okay, uh, like we've got to secretly usher in the Word of God. Uh, and definitely when we pull things away from it, we work to weaken the Word of God. So if it's going to be a solid foundation, we've got to make sure that we just teach the Word of God as it is. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It's not a milkshake. Right? It's perfect as is. What if that home builder decided, you know what, I'm going to save you a little money, and so I'm going to take uh, a lot of rock out of your foundation, and I'm going to add more water. Would you be okay with that? We're just going to liquefy your foundation a little bit more. Or instead of your walls being six or eight inches thick, we're just going to make them two. That'll save you some money. That'll help subtract from the cost. No, that just weakens my foundation, weakens the home that I'm trying to build. And so Moses writes and says, listen, don't add to it. There's nothing you can add to the Word of God that makes it better. It's not a milkshake. And don't take away from it because when we do, all we do is weaken it. So take His Word Live under the authority of his word. Make it a priority. He also says this as we read earlier. He said, see I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. So that you may follow them in the lands you're entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show you wisdom and understanding. Your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Who will hear about all these decrees and say surely this is a great nation. A wise and understanding people. So people can look at lives and see solid foundations. True? I mean, this is what this teaches. Surely people will look at you and say, look, these are wise people. They're understanding people. They've got laws that govern them well. Things are going well for them. Teach me your law. Help me understand what it is that you know. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? None. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I'm setting before you today? There's none. There's none. And so he's calling us to hold tight, to hang on to the word of God. And so no other teaching, no other worldview offers what the word of God offers. And what we read there is there's a nearness when we pray and there's a promise that God will provide. Right? Now there's many other provisions in the Bible as well and promises. But those are two that were listed in the text that we read. And that will bring him glory. And that will work for our good. And so initially all we're saying is 
get into the Word of God so the Word of God can get into you, can get into me, can give us a solid foundation. We've got to start here if we're ever going to try to build somebody else. Right? Pretty simple, pretty clear. All right. Let's go to then. I can't build, I can't give what I don't possess. Two, we build by remembering, and this is important here, remembering how God has worked to build us. So you've probably heard the expression, uh, for those who fail to remember history, what happens? They are destined or they are bound to, to repeat it, right? So where we forget or where we neglect how people have lived before us or things that have happened in our lives previously, we're just bound to come back, circle again, and do the same thing over and over and over again. And we find that story here in, uh, in the history of the nation of Israel. And this is part of our adversary's uh, his scheme against us. See, he works to help us remember things that we should forget, right? How often do you have that thought? Like, why am I thinking that? Why do I remember that? I don't want to have that thought. And he works to help us to forget the things that we should remember. To work to forget those things that we should be meditating on. And so this was true for the nation of Israel. And when you read through the cycle of life, it looks like ours often. They loved the Lord their God with all their heart. And they submitted themselves to him to live their life out for him. Only to give in to some other way of living. And that led them away from living under the authority of God. Which brought some calamity and some hardship on them. And God allowed that. And then they came to their senses. And they would repent. And God would restore them. And, and then they would just repeat. And they would do that over and over again. And so Moses is going to call these people that he knows all too well to be very careful to, that you remember what you've seen and what you've heard. And so verse 9 he says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. All right? Don't forget what you've seen and don't forget how that stirred you, how that marked you. Right? Those moments where God met you. Remember those things. All right? Remembering is key if we're going to be building biblical families. And so earlier in this book, Moses is going to reference several things. And here's some of the highlights from it. Many of these you know. He told them to remember Egypt. Remember what it was like when it was hard. Right? Remember that time where God allowed your nation to be enslaved. Remember where you were oppressed. Remember where those days were dark when you weren't sure what was coming next. Remember Egypt. But as a part of Egypt, remember the plagues. Right? Remember the plagues. Remember that God was working to bring about your deliverance. Remember the Red Sea and how God just opened up a way that had never been opened before. No one but God would have thought that that's how things would work. Right? How often do I limit God thinking that this is the way that he has to answer and if he doesn't answer this way, it can't work out. And God's thinking, you don't know my ways. If I can part a sea, just trust me. Right? If I'm leading you in this and you're submitting under my authority of, of my word, the authority of my word, then I will provide. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the Ten Commandments. 
and how they were given for your good. Remember the times of disobedience and how that led your family away from the promised land. Remember the people who died out in that land who did not get to inherit what you're about to walk into. Remember these things. Because as you do, as we remember the goodness of the Lord, we'll be encouraged then to take hold of God and to then pass these on uh, to future generations. And so we read about that this morning from Psalm 103. You've got David writing and he says, Bless the Lord, right? Oh, my soul. And that is a command. He's, he's preaching to himself. And sometimes we need to do that. I'm tired today. I don't feel like singing. Okay. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Man, this is a hard blow that I've received this week. Okay. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I don't know what's coming. I mean, I've got some unknowns lingering out here and they're kind of weighing heavy on me. Okay. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Don't forget all of his benefits, right? Remember the goodness of the Lord and all the things that he has done. That will help to not only build you, but prepare you and equip you to help build other people. Right? How often has somebody come to your aid uh, in your time of need and they've shared with you something God had worked in their life that would be encouragement to you with what you're currently going through? I've walked in your shoes. I've had that same experience. I've had people walk out on me. I've been... I've lost my job, all right? I've had failing health. I've had tragedy happen. And people show up in your time of need and say, I've been there too, right? And they remember what they went through. And they've come to us in our time of need to help us. They're working to build us. And so he says, don't forget. Don't forget. Make sure that you're careful. Make sure that you watch yourself closely so that you don't forget the things that God has done in your life. You know, a good thing to do when God works in your life is write it down. Write it down somewhere, right? Stick it in your Bible or have a prayer journal and just write it down. This is what happened on this day. I wrote down one here. Uh, let's see here. Friday morning, I was sitting uh, in this little room and was just reading God's Word. Hebrews eleven seventeen, where it was talking about Moses just trusted God, or Abraham rather, trusted God and had this faith. He had obedience even when God was asking him to give up his son. And the, the whole thought behind it was when we tend to walk the pathway of obedience, we tend to see that as the end of our dreams because we think of obedience as hard. And the challenge is Obedience leads to joy in life. So can you trust God, even what he's asking you to do doesn't make sense? Or in your thinking, you say, these numbers don't add up. I could never do that. When you walk the path of obedience, can you trust God? And so I put it in my phone. I shared it with my wife. Copied and pasted part of it there just to remind myself that God is always worthy and God is always able and so the pathway of obedience doesn't lead to drudgery or the, he's not a dream killer. It leads to joy in life. So all I'm saying is when you have moments like that that kind of mark you or speaks to your heart, write it down, right? Prepare yourself to be able to pass it on. And that leads us here to our third point. As we think about being home builders who are going to do this in a way that's biblical. So we want to remember uh, we want to be people who are making the Word of God a priority. And here's why. 
so we can teach generations the truth of God's Word. If I don't know the Word of God, I can't teach the Word of God. If I'm not living under the authority of the Word of God and, and finding Him as I trust Him in obedience to be faithful, I've got nothing to share with you. I can pass on information, but it's not lived out. It's not a reality. See, you know some stories of mine, and I know some stories that belong to you as well, where there was uncertainty and you prayed to God and He brought you an answer. Or where there was a frustration and an anger in your life and God brought you comfort and said, this may not have been your plan, but it's mine. And there was a peace there. All right? Or praying in ways and we're thinking that the answer is here and it's kind of coming in a back door and we never saw it coming that way. Right? These are things that we are to pass on. These are things that we're to teach and to share with future generations. And so as we make God's word a priority and as we work to remember how good God has been to us, now we are equipped. Now we're equipped to build. And so let's just throw this out there. That doesn't mean all of our tools are sharp. Right? So we're works in progress as well. We're probably not going to nail every nail straight. We may get a little, a few things, you know, not quite level. But God can correct that in us and he can help us correct one another as well. But when you and I have the right foundation, living under the authority of the Word of God, and when you and I are remembering and experiencing how God has been faithful, we're now equipped to build and invest in other people that you can trust the Lord your God with all your life. You can submit to His ways and His goodness because just as He has said, His Word is true. And so here's what Moses says. The beginning of verse 9, he says, Teach these things, teach them to your children and to their children after them. So initially we started by defining what a family is. And the traditional definition there is a mom and a dad, maybe some children there. Who does Moses tell us to teach? Teach your children, yes, but then who else? Their children. Okay? The point of this is those that God is connected with, your family. It's not just my four and then their grandchildren. I can't teach anybody else. The point is your family. God has linked you and he has linked me to people for the purpose of establishing truth, helping them build a biblical foundation for their family as they in turn try to help me do the same. And so Moses is saying, you and I have a role to play. If your heart's still beating, you have a role to play in building biblical families. You're sitting here today under the authority of the word of God and God's word says to you, your heart is still beating because you have a role to play in the lives of the people that you are connected with. And so, if we're not under the authority of the Word of God, we've got to get ourselves there. If we have forgotten the goodness of our God, we need to take some time and remember. Right? We sang about it in a couple of different songs this morning. 10,000 reasons. Right? If we can't list some of these, then we need to spend some time reminding ourselves or taking time to remember these good things of the Lord. And so he tells us, play your role. Play your role. Just because your children are outside of your home or just because they're not little toddlers anymore does not mean that you don't have a role to play in their life. So keep talking to your children. 
and talk to their spouses. I know you pray for them. And I know that you talk to them and we, we share those things as well. But keep it up. And we pray for you and we pray for those moments, those times where we know where you're gathering, that it will be a place where, where the, the gospel can flourish there. Maybe something can be sparked in a person which will draw them curiously to want to know the Lord better, to return to the Lord. Don't relent. Don't quit. Right? Don't put uh, a period or an exclamation point where God's got a comma. Hey, there's still work to be done here, so don't write it off as though it's done. Keep serving and praying and loving, sharing with the people that God has connected you with. And here's some ways that Moses says to do this. These aren't all of them, but they are certainly some biblical ways to build biblical families. It says, these commandments that I give you today, they are to be on your hearts. This is a couple chapters later. The commandments I'm giving you, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. All right, so basically talk to your children about the word of the Lord when? All the time. All day long. Now it's not, hey, sit down and let me give you a three-point sermon, you know, in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. But just as God's worked in your life, share it with your children. God's answered a prayer, or maybe you're feeling really stressed about something. Take your grandchild alongside you and say, hey, let's pray for a minute. And let's ask God to help us in this situation. Right? It doesn't matter how old they are. Continue to reach out to your nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters-in-law. God's connected you with people for the purpose of helping build them. Whenever you're with them, talk about it. Tie them as symbols on your hands. So I wear this little Igbok bracelet for maybe a little over four years now, and it's just a symbol on my hand that reminds me of Romans 8, 28, 29. Because I know some things. That God has drawn me to himself and he's got a purpose for my life and he loves me in ways that I don't even understand yet and he's going to work in ways that will be beneficial for me even through the hard times and ultimately it's for his glory. So I had a chance this weekend to share with somebody, what does that mean? What does I-G-B-O-K mean? It's Igbok. It's, it's going to be okay and it's just built out of that verse. And so it's a reminder to me, and I look at this often when I'm driving, it sits right there. When I'm brushing my teeth, I see it in the mirror. It's just a reminder to me, okay? Uh, not great with fashion sense, and so this isn't an accessory that makes me look some way or another. It's to help Corey remember some things, all right? Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What are we writing? The commands of the Lord. The word of God. You know, we specifically bought a, a door for our pantry that has a chalkboard on it. And so we can put scripture on that thing. So when you walk by it and you see it, oh, I can be reminded. Because we often need that. Some people put it on sticky notes and put it on the mirror in their bathroom. Or they have it on note cards and they have it next to their bed. Or they stick it on the dash in their car just so there's a continual reminder in their life of either the commands of God or the promises of God or the goodness of God in their life. So these aren't the ways, but these are definitely biblical ways to build biblical families. Here recently we were at a family's house and it looked like, you ever been to Hobby Lobby? 
So it looked like they were a part owner of Hobby Lobby. Like everywhere you looked, it was just, you could tell it was all Hobby Lobby stuff. But on all of these things were Bible verses. I mean, you couldn't look anywhere in that house without seeing a Bible verse uh, or a promise of God. And so I, just, I thought, man, that's good. Like their children are going to walk through. You, you remember pictures that were hanging in your house when you were a kid? Or little poems or uh, maybe there was scripture or something like that. My mom and dad had this kind of Ten Commandments thing. And it was summarized. It wasn't necessarily straight out of Exodus. Uh, but it was hanging there on the wall. And so you, and you'd read it. And as a kid, you didn't think a whole lot about it. But now I know exactly what it was. Right? What were they doing? They were working to impress truth in their children. Just by writing it on a door frame. Right? Or hanging it on a wall. So it doesn't have to be some great big thing. Moses just says, make sure it's an intentional thing. If we're going to build biblical families, it doesn't happen accidentally. So there will be some things that you and I have got to be mindful of so that this happens. So here again, you don't have to rush out to Hobby Lobby today and do it. That's a way. But I would encourage you to find your way. What's a way that you can encourage the people in your house to live under the authority of God? What are the things you can do to encourage yourself? Or when people come into your house and they sit with you and they can look at that and see something, to be challenged or to be blessed. Right? Everybody likes to hang out pictures of their family. Nothing wrong with that. Let's also put some things out that help people see and know that we love God and that God loves them as well. So I just want to encourage you today to play your role. You're vital in helping the people that God has connected you with, your children and your children's children. All right? Which is just talking about your family. You're vital in helping build them biblically. You might think, man, I've never done this before. You're still breathing, right? What's that mean? It means you have every reason and you have every opportunity to start. And so do I. And I'd love to partner with you in that. And we'd pray for you. We'd help any way we could. We're not the know-all or end-all. We're works in progress ourselves. But we certainly want to be intentional uh, in raising up people who are going to have a solid foundation, who are going to know the things of the Lord and who are going to work to pass that on. And we sit here today directly linked back to the apostles. Directly linked back to Jesus Christ. Now we can't trace our spiritual heritage. Wouldn't that be kind of cool to see in heaven? I don't know how that will work. But somebody in your life shared Christ with you and that's how you came to know him as your Savior. And somebody in their life shared Christ with them. And that's how they came to know Christ as their Savior. And you can track that back century after century after century. And you get back to Jesus. It's all linked. And so somewhere, somebody in your circle, somebody in my circle, they're relying on us to be that connector, that link that helps establish a biblical family for them so they in turn can pass that on as well. And so pray about it. God, give me opportunity. I know you love your children and your grandchildren. I love my children. Talk with them. All right? Share things with them. Do your children know your salvation story? Do they know how you came to faith in Christ? Do they know when that really became living for you? You may not remember the exact date, but do you remember when you really started following the Lord? Maybe it's just a, a time where you came broken before God 
Maybe it's a season for you and God met you there and brought you peace or clarity. Do your children know those stories? Do your grandchildren? You know, we can always say, think, well, you know, my grandpa used to always say, are all hearts and minds clear at the end of a service? That was Wallace Malone. But there are things about him I didn't know about his family. I've been asking my family here this last year, tell me more about his parents and their parents. Who led them to faith? Because some of them weren't believers. Right? There's a pretty rough history there. Things I didn't know. Right? But that encourages me. Because somebody understood the role of being a, a family builder and invested in them. And in part, I'm standing here today because of that. Right? And so you're connected with people whose story is still being written, who God is going to use you to help them have this solid foundation and then to be able to pass it on uh, until Christ comes back. So that's, that's our role. You know, it's not, can we fill this place next Sunday and sit down and tell everybody about Jesus Christ? It tends to happen one by one. Having coffee, sharing breakfast, car ride to work or to a game, to a movie, to church. Right? It happens through all sorts of social media connections. Right? It just happens in multiple ways, just being intentional consistently day after day after day. So I want to encourage you to think about the people that God's connected you with. Pray and ask, God, give me a moment maybe to talk with my child this week. Open that for me. Or give me a moment to talk with my grandchild this week. Or I've got a cousin that I'm worried about. Or I've got a sibling that I just, I'm burdened over. God, give me an opportunity. And try to be intentional and seek that out. And I'll pray for you to that end. And I'll ask you to do the same for me as we, as we head out into this week. And so a few things we've talked through here as it relates to building biblical families. We've got to submit under the authority of the Word of God. That's the foundation. And if we're not using the manual to build the foundation correctly, we're going to build a shaky foundation. We've got nothing to pass on that's of substance or of use. Remember how good God's been to you. Write it down. And then take time to share that with other people. Right? You can quote verses that you've memorized to them and nothing wrong there. Man, when you share how this has become living in me, he's my God, he's my Father, he's my Savior, and here's why. And God can use that to help draw people even closer to himself. 